Welcome in to Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. And I'm, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. Not wearing a volunteer orange today, wearing Texas orange, it looks like. Uh, uh, little brown. Is that brown? Um, I can't one. tell. Yeah. You need lamps and lights in, in your, your place. You I, need some I opened, I opened up the window. I've got some natural light coming in here. It doesn't it doesn't look too brown. Let me let me make sure my maybe my uh brightness on my uh computer screen is is not there, but didn't really look brown. But today, even though the Titans were on by and they didn't play a football game, we are still have a lot to talk about because the Titans are here and have reached an agreement with the mayor to move forward with a new stadium project. It still has to pass through the city council, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this whole Josh Gordon love fest and the, the, the ridiculous way the fans are, and what essentially Mike Vrabel said at his press conference, which I have never seen someone come back from vacation be so pissed off to be in front of people. And we're going to talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk about... Should the Titans be buyers? And maybe should they be sellers? And then, of course, we're going to preview the Colts game as well. We are brought to you by Football and Other Efforts. are brought to you by Jaspers in Nashville. Maybe the Titans were on a buy, but they take no days off as they are open seven days a week, and they are there to provide you with sustenance to get you through whatever your sports team does to you during the game whether it's the Nashville Predators losing to the Dallas Stars or whether it's the Tennessee Titans losing to the New York Giants, they are there for you. They are your neighborhood sports bar, and they are elevating the sports bar game. So head over to Jasper's Nashville, two-for-one on Sundays. It is a glorious place to go, and I say glorious because they also love the Nashville Predators. So uh, just a little shout-out. I even know we're football and other efforts at hockey and other H-words. Still got to talk about the Nashville Predators and about all the good stuff that they do Especially because it could be their year. Maybe the Predators are back. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Not, not according to whatever the first two games in Dallas or against Dallas will look like. So Yeah. Mike, we are also brought to you by BroadwaySportsMe.com. And you do stuff for them every Thursday. The Mike Herndon Show, which is for Broadway insiders only. How did last week's the Her- Mike Herndon Show go for you? What did you see? on Real quick, what did you see on the uh, film about the game that they won, barely won. And what is the Mike Herndon show going to do for a bye week? I mean, you know, so from the film standpoint, I thought uh, it was a lot of Dennis Daly falling down. Um, (laughs) So that there was a lot of that in there. And then, uh, you know, some Caleb Farley falling down too. So it's, it was a lot of guys falling down, but you know, it it is what it is. So the thing to me that most stood out, and it's almost hard to remember back that far ago now, uh, back to that Washington game, it feels like it was forever ago. Hell, I couldn't even remember who they played. That's why I a little struggled on that. (laughs) Like, who do they even play? I, uh, yeah, remembering back to it, it was was a a game where the offensive line was mostly horrific. And and I kind of felt like that was the one spot that coming out of the bye, they have to address left tackle somehow because Dennis Daly old double D just is not getting it done. I agree. I agree. So what do you do during the bye week? What's the plan for this week? Um, this week we're just going to watch film of kittens. Um, you know, like maybe, uh, maybe this bear 
Uh, we're gonna break down this bear attacking this mountain climber that you sent uh, earlier. And is I can take the case. You can fight Months wild animals that you cannot fight. Every month, a video surfaces that that proves that I could beat up a, a wild animal. <laughs> it's just an undeniable fact at this point. If a guy can do it while hanging off the side of a cliff, I can do it at any point in my life. Bring it on, you fucking grizzly losers! I'm gonna take you on one by one. And we'll make you all extinct at this point. Every we're, bear. We're gonna we're gonna go to the tape and break down why you're not right about that. But <laughs> we will also just uh, we'll we'll probably just talk Titans thoughts coming off the bye. Um, you know, there's not really any film to get into. Maybe maybe we'll do some best of and worst of the the first pre buy uh, part of the season. But um, mostly just gonna be getting into into Colts and what the rest of the season looks like. Well. It's going to look a little bit different, hopefully, in a few years for the Tennessee Titans, as it was announced today that Mayor John Cooper and the Titans organization have reached a deal to move forward with the proposal to bring it in front of the city council for them to vote on in a couple of weeks to get the Titans a new stadium, which they desperately, desperately need. A lot of interesting stuff came out today, a little bit more concrete. Obviously, we're going to have we know where the location is. It's going to be essentially in the parking lot where we're a little bit closer to the interstate and everything. It's going to be on that side, closer to the interstate 24. Yeah. They're going to be building in location. lots A through D, basically, yeah. which uh, if you're familiar with the Titans parking arrangement. And then you're going to have, they're obviously, which has been always part of the plan, green spaces, shopping centers, affordable housing all around the area. Also, nothing new. They have confirmed it's going to be a dome. The Tennessee Titans.com have confirmed it's going to be a dome. Retractable roof is not happening. Don't listen to anybody telling you it is at this point because so far Tennessee Titans.com has it in black and white. Nate Rao, who broke this story this morning, I should have credited him at the beginning, at Axiom.com. Nate Rao, he said in there explicitly is going to be a dome. It's a dome, which is fine. Now, hopefully, by the time that the stadium is built and ready, they are going to put in and install, according to TennesseeTitans.com, the best artificial turf available. So it's not going to be this Lucas Oil shit rag turf that they had put out there that's essentially made of concrete. They're going to put out really nice turf, and it's going to be the... Basically, they're waiting until the stadium is nearly done to get the turf inside the stadium. So it's not like they're going to get turf in 2022 and hold it in a warehouse. It's going to be the newest kind and state-of-the-art. Good sign at this point. Mike, what are your some of your takeaways about the stadium that you are like, yes, I'm in on the stadium, I'm ready for the Dome, I'm ready for all this to happen? So, you know, I kind of go back and forth because from an aesthetic standpoint, from a, a watching football standpoint, I do prefer outdoor stadiums and grass. Just, I think it's a better. Is it the it sunlight feels... or the grass? Because can what? you really tell that it looks like grass from your TV? Oh yeah, you can definitely tell grass versus turf. Oh, oh you're 100%. crazy. You're a hundred percent. I mean, because you see the stupid little black pellets kicking up everywhere every time someone tries to do a see, toe, I think those toe are drag cool. or whatever. Or you also see, uh, and nobody has grass stains on their uniform. Yeah, their uniforms true. are all clean and stuff. Like it is, it's just 
little things like that that I will miss when the NFL is all dome, which it feels like we're headed towards. What if they just put wet green paint out there? Will that help your grass stain stuff? I mean, maybe, maybe that'd help a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, I will admit that like the weather sometimes does suck to have to sit through and it's not even the cold. Like, honestly, I, I can deal with the cold right in December games, January games, whatever. Like, you know, you just put on more layers and by the time you're in there with 70,000 people, it's feels fine. Um, what I can't deal with is the heat. Like when it is 95 plus degrees in September and you're sitting outside with no protection at all from the sun and it is a noon kickoff and it is just smoking hot for three and a half hours. And you're crammed in there with a bunch of sweaty, nasty, drunk people. That's not a pleasant experience. And I will say that that part of it, getting the dome and and having the ability to not have to sit in that kind of condition is exciting to me. So that, that is, um, I think maybe one of the bigger positives for me is that I do think it'll be a cool experience. And and frankly, like not to, to bag too much on Nissan stadium, but it's a dump. Like, it's a dump as NFL stadiums go. If you go to any other stadium, like I've been to, uh, you know, Houston's stadium, I've been to Dallas's stadium. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any others that I've been to um, that are on the newer end. I think that's it as far as the newer stadiums, but Oh my God, it is night and day just how you, how the building feels like it is just a totally different experience. And I think, I think Titans fans will love the experience of having a new modern state of the art stadium that just looks and feel, feels cool. And I hope they do it upright. Like I hope they do it, you know, with, with a Nashville flair to it and make it a, a home, everywhere. make it, don't make it a, like a sanitized fucking box like you know the the superdome or, or any of these older dome stadiums that just you know it just looks like a big barrel you know like make it make it a nice very nashville very distinct building that when you see it on tv you immediately go oh that's uh whatever blank fill in the blank new sponsor is stadium if it's nissan or whatever um in nashville like that's that's what i want i want it to be unique i want it to be authentic to nashville and i want it to be a cool fun venue to visit that's that's really all my requirements i got an idea for this okay we got the batman building right we should make this a superman stadium and make it kind of like into the superman logo sort of on top that way when you're going overhead it's like oh is it superman logo and then you got the batman and then you could call it then you got the world's finest you can call the neighborhood the world's finest because that's their that's their name that's a little little Comic book tidbit for you. I'm calling it now, though, because, you know, and this is a fact that I don't know how many Nashvillians know, but if you fly over the Music City Center, the the conference uh, event center here, it is shaped like a guitar from the top, right? So I think the stadium is actually, I think they're going to try to shape it like a guitar pick. That's I'm calling it now. That's pretty close to to the Superman thing. It is. So, so, you know, we, we we can work with that. We'll work or we'll work ourselves around it. Um, I'm with you. So I'm, I'm, I think the dome is the best way to go. I, it's just so fucking hot. And and that's the thing. And, and you, you mentioned it in, in our house, we keep a 68, right? And my, my argument to that is you can always put on more clothes. I can only take off so many before everybody's <laughs> uncomfortable in the house. So 
So to me, that's exactly why a dome was always going to work best because you really only have, if you're lucky, depending on your schedule, two or three max good ga- weather games to go to before you're, it's extremely hot or extremely cold. Sometimes in November, it's still extremely hot because if you're on the side, on the away side specifically, it's just the heat just beats down on you constantly. The sun does. I mean, honest, honestly, this weekend, I'm going to the Colts game, and it's, uh, you know, I think the forecast is in the 70s, like mid-70s, and I'm like, it's, it's going to be It's basically 85 it, or 90. It's like, going to feel like it's 90 degrees when you're sitting in the stadium baking in the sun for three hours. So right. I'm like, I'm going to be wearing freaking shorts out there, even though uh, it'll be 40 degrees at tailgate time. Yeah. I, I look at it this way, too. So far, the information coming out says that the stadium, basically the leftover money is coming from bonds from the city, which is basically a loan from the city, essentially. And I have to say, this looks like a pretty good deal for the city of uh, Nashville. A lot better than what reports made you believe leading up to this decision. So obviously, they put together a really good plan talking about adding an additional 1% to the hotel motel tax, 100% of the end stadium and 50% of stadium campus sales tax. That stuff is going to fund the, the, the bond. They're basically going to use that money to repay back the bond. And then Titans NFL PSLs and state funding. I mean, looks like everybody's getting kind of what they want. It's going to be really hard based on this specific information given out on TennesseeTitans.com. It's going to be really hard for the city council not to pass this, but everybody's in an election year, politics involved. Everybody's going to want something for nothing and all this stuff. It's it's not in the clear. I think people were very premature to say that, oh, Titans get new stadium. I saw that from a couple of, of media sources saying the Titans get their new stadium, new stadium on the way. It's like, yes and no. Like, I don't. I don't see how hard, I don't see why the city council would say no, but it's still politics. (laughs) Like there's still another layer they have to go through. And if you remember when they were trying to get the Nashville SC deal done, I mean, it it almost died in the city council chambers because of politics. And, you know, it came down to that, whatever it was, parcel 8A or parcel, whatever it was uh, over at the fairgrounds. and, And there was some huge, you know, back and forth over there. It finally got over the finish line, but I guarantee you there will be someone on the city council, if not several someones who are going to make a big stink about the cost and everything else and whether or not this is something that the, the city needs to be doing. Even if it, even with the city apparently just not even having any real money that they're outlaying to this besides basically a, a loan, a, a bond that would be funded exclusively through tourism dollars and, you know, revenue generated by the stadium itself. So it does seem like a no lose situation for the city, but I guarantee you so something will happen. You already, there's already a city council member I saw on Twitter. That's wanting to see this report of, of how, $350 million to basically keep up Nissan stadium over the next, over the remainder of this current lease turned into whatever it was, 1.7 billion or whatever, whatever it was in the later report. And I look, I get that. Like, but at the same time, who cares what the the estimates were? 
if you're getting a brand new stadium that's going to bring in all this revenue and it will generate a ton of revenue for the city because we're not just talking about titans games and, and all that we're talking about the super bowl which would be a huge revenue driver for the city we're talking about final fours we're talking about wrestlemania we're talking about uh you know college football playoff games all of those would be massive 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 events and you're talking about year-round concerts so big stadium tours that thing is going to be busy all the time and well, they're it, talking it about generate a ton of money for the city they're talking about an estimate estimated total economic impact of 33.7 billion dollars in the nashville economy just over the next 30 years yeah so you're you're getting your money over that and then you're getting about 4,927 annual full and part-time jobs. So almost 5,000 jobs annually and full-time. Now, this obviously is in includes the surrounding area, but the construction of the new stadium is also going to generate over 19,000 jobs. And it's going to have a one-time direct spending impact of $1.9 billion, a total economic impact of $3 billion. So you're almost like the impact of all this is almost paying for itself right off the get-go so yeah. look this is all titans propaganda right all this information is coming from titans so there could be more information that comes up but the information available to us is that this is just a good deal for everybody involved and you know now the titans just you know need to start having some exciting games to match this exciting stadium or you're just going to be watching other teams in your house in the super bowl for years to come um one bad news about this psc scrapyard still going to be there Yes. Well, and, and that's, I don't know how you get rid of it because, you know, as long as it's owned by Carl Icahn, it's just going to be a, an issue for the city because he has dug in so hard and he knows, he knows with this deal that he's going to have more and more leverage over the city to extract a higher and higher price. And I know there's been some talk that he's wanting to develop it himself. He did keep it when he sold uh, the rest of his scrap business. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what, what pans out because the city cannot let that stay there. If, if they're going to turn this into what they're saying they will, which is like a really beautiful campus around the stadium that's going to be like family friendly and, and have some bars and restaurants. and But not like, it, it sounds to me like the Titans vision is they don't want it to be Broadway extended you know, they want it to be like more family friendly, more, you know, maybe upscale bars and restaurants and, and things like that. But places where, you know, you, families can go before a game and stuff like that. And and also, you know, I saw uh, I think it was in PK's write up on the on the stadium information. He mentioned, you know, the Grove at Ole Miss um, and, and the tailgate scene down there is kind of part of the inspiration for how they view like where Nissan Stadium currently sits all the way down to the riverfront, that whole area, once once the new stadium is built, they they will demolish it. And I believe the idea is to turn that all into green space. And they're giving that, that land back to the city uh, to use as green space for, for parks and, and, you know, build trees and stuff like that, which honestly, if you can set that up as like a really nice, like cool tailgate spot, um, that the Titans can, that Titans fans can use, but then also a place just for, for people to go when the Titans aren't playing. Um, that's a win-win for the city too, because that's a great piece of land right there with the national skyline and everything. I mean, it, it has the potential 
to be really, really cool if it's done correctly and done the right way. And frankly, I mean, they, they hired Banica Architecture, uh, which is the other kind of part of this too, that, that sounds like they're not only hired, but they're moving forward with the design. It, you know, there's already some details in here about, you know, square footage and things like that, which tells me that they've been kind of down the road as far as uh, developing the plans for this thing. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. But Manica did Las Vegas's uh, stadium, the Raiders. They did Houston Stadium um, back when it it came out. They did uh, the new Chase Center in San Francisco where uh, the Warriors play. So some really, really cool. They did Wembley Stadium in London. So like these guys have done some really cool, really amazing architectural architecturally beautiful stadium so i have high hopes for what this will turn out to be uh for the titans and you know and i know like i do want to talk real quick about the whole turf thing because that's one thing that everyone's going to be up in arms about over this thing and i get like i i like the turf i like the like grass thing just as much as anybody but i also understand that like to have a you know rollout grass field which is what you'd have to have in a dome. You have to have two things. One is a lot of money because it's extremely expensive, not only to install on the front end, because you're basically putting in a whole irrigation system and a whole like rail system to run your, your field out and you know all the, all the mechanical pieces that go along with that, as well as maintenance over time, like having to have people be able to maintain that grass field and, and service the equipment that it's going to have to run on everything else like that is very, very expensive. So would you rather them spend the money on that or would you rather them spend the money on, you know, a you know better stadium experience in some other way? Like, cause, cause there's not, it's not like we're dealing with a, you know, multi-billionaire uh, or, you know, I won't even say no multi-billionaire, but we're not dealing with Elon Musk here, right? Like the Adam family is rich um, by all standards, but they are not among the top, what you know half of the nfl as far as wealth um among nfl owners so it's not like a unlimited pocketbook that we're dealing with here and also you have to have a ton of space that's the other thing you have to have a lot of space where you can roll the grass out and and have it have a space where it can get sunlight and grow and the titans don't have that around that stadium especially not if they're going to build this really cool campus around it so i get like there, there, people want that, but I don't think it's realistic, not for what the Titans are trying to do here with the budget that they're working with. And I know $2 billion is a lot of budget, but in modern construction, it just doesn't go as far as you might think, especially when you're talking about a dome stadium. So it is uh, unfortunate that it will end up being turf, but hopefully it's really good turf. And, and you know, maybe, maybe there will be more turf advances in the next two or three years before this thing actually goes in. I personally like the pellets that kick up when, when that, because it makes for cool TV, cool visuals. It does. it does. But it also, when replays are involved and stuff like that, you can clearly see when someone's dragging their foot a lot easier when they've hit the foot, you know, staying in bounds trying to make a catch. But that's just me. I just got like it. It kind of just looks cool. Okay. Speaking of someone that did not look cool, was Mike Vrabel today in his presser on, well, on Monday. We're recording this on Monday. So today, but Monday. Opening presser, back from by. He looked like he had the worst vacation ever, the worst time off. 
And it makes me wonder, and I brought this up on a football show, which you can hear on Mondays and wherever podcasts are sold, go on YouTube. And you can actually watch this on YouTube if you want to go to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. But at this point, it looked like Mike Vrabel did some some self-scouting on this team, and he came back with answers he did not like. And that's just me reading maybe too much into things, but how can you go and self-scout you know, guys like Josh Gordon, guys like Dennis Daly, and not come back a little pissed? Obviously, Josh Gordon was cut on Monday, and he said his goodbyes, which, yeah, goodbye, see ya, whatever. Dennis Daly, though, still around, and obviously he will stay around, but it sounds like, according to John or John Vrabel, Mike Vrabel's presser, that Dennis Daly's job is in in basically dire straits. However, we know this Tennessee Titans team is willing to give a guy a little bit of leeway to prove himself. I, I think he at least gets one more week to see if the work in the offs in the off week, you know, pays off. But let's not hold our breath. Where do you want to start first? Because there's a lot to get to and a lot of news that just came out too uh, while we were while we were taping this. Do you want to start with Josh Gordon, Dennis Daly, or Ola Denny? Uh, well, f- first, let me say that I think I think Vrabel's mood was likely more tied to his uh, news making over the weekend with this reply all thing and, and everything that came out with that. And it sounded like he was pretty pissed that somebody leaked that. I'll uh, get over medium, it. You leaked it. You know it was 70- Chris Ballard. Yeah. You know it was Chris Ballard. You know, oh, I said it on a football show. It was definitely Chris Ballard. But you sent an email to over 64 different people, right? It's going to get out to Adam Schefter. For or sure. Ian Rappaport or whoever broke it first. It's going to get out because that's what people do. You're in America. Nobody in America is exempt from being part of office gossip. Get over your self-importance and self-worth. You are you are in a fraternity. Fraternities all are all about telling secrets. Yeah, but I I think that's the reason he was pissed. I don't think he particularly likes being in the news or a newsmaker, and I think that was the the reason. But it was it was the least I guess um, noteworthy piece of news that came out of the week. Is like it, it it popped up right. Some guy hits reply all in the office email. It <laughs> says something. And then the game started and nobody fucking gave a shit anymore. Like the only people who still care about this are the people asking Mike Vrabel. And I guarantee nobody's going to talk about this again. Right. I mean, well, like probably not. Today. And, and, well, until Vrabel seen undressing some official on the sidelines uh, this weekend after a call, he should have a laptop. And then just like when he's like mad, just hit reply all as a joke. I just, I just think it's funny that he's so upset over something so fucking frivolous because he, everybody agrees with him. It's not like he sent out uh, some nudes and, you know, bashed uh, Ryan Reynolds because he's America's sweetheart, even though he's Canadian. And he said, Ryan Reynolds is a fucking trash. And uh, here's here's a picture of my dick. You know, he just sent he sent what everybody's thinking and what everybody's saying. In fact, he should be touted as a hero and should feel like, yeah, I fucking sent that email. And I told them how I feel because I'm tired of this shit instead of just complaining and bitching about his email getting leaked. Yeah. yeah. That's how yeah. I feel about it. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's start with Ola. Let's <laughs> okay. start with Ola. Good news. Bud Dupree is trending to be playing on Sunday. 
And it's much needed because it was announced just a few minutes ago on Monday when we were recording this that Ola Denny's headed to IR, which they could have done last week and picked up one extra game, but they didn't. But that's okay. So he is going to miss the next four games, Ola Denny is. So it's more important than ever that Bud Dupree is not only healthy, but he actually stays healthy. And we talked about that last week. But the Ole Denny news made way for Josh Thompson, another safety slash a special teams ace, because apparently the T- Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel think they can play 22 people on kickoff. They can't. They can only play 11. I don't understand it. Why are they wasting time <laughs> with these fucking guys? It doesn't really matter in a big scheme of things, but it's just it's hilarious at this point that they are just getting safety after safety after safety on this roster. I think they. I think this just tells you they hate all the guys that they've had but then in that spot. They're all the same guys, aren't they? Like that's to me is like you're just bringing in more of the same. Well, they it's, they are, but I think they're hoping that one of them hits and turns into like oh, he's throwing the, shit up against the wall. Well, he's the, the one of them. Maybe one of them turns out to be like the Joe Schobert of uh, <laughs> of safeties. You know, like oh, well, this one works. So who knows? Yeah, maybe Josh Thompson will be that. I. As a as a Texas uh, alum and fan, I uh, I like Josh Thompson. I always did when he was at Texas. I thought he was their best corner uh, last year, which was on a bad defense, so it didn't really matter. But um, he's, he's you're a really good selling. Like, <laughs> really well, I mean, he ran a four four at the combine, which you know gives you a little bit of uh, juice speed wise. So I, I think I think Josh Thompson isn't anything special, but I think he could play. And I think they're still looking for somebody to play that like dime safety role too. Like, I mean, they, Hugo Amadi kind of got thrown into the slot here. And then like Lonnie Johnson, I thought was going to kind of be that, but then Lonnie got hurt and, and then his, he just hasn't played a ton the last few weeks. So I don't know if that's what is, that's what they're specifically looking for, or maybe they're looking for Thompson to take, Lonnie spot on special teams so Lonnie can play more defense. I, I don't know what the mix is there, but they're clearly still looking for something, someone to fit into that secondary because the secondary has been a problem. It's It's been a, a little bit under the radar because of some of the other problems on this team, but secondary hasn't been good overall. Um, part of that's been Hooker's been out. Part of that's been Molden's been out, all that stuff. But and the pass it, rush. Which, and it doesn't sound like Molden is probably going to play this week either, so – um, he continues to be uh, on IR, so I, I I don't know. It's they need help, but I I don't know if Thompson's the right person to give it to him or not. But this Oladini thing, you know, I kind of wish they would have put him on IR last week. I kind of thought that they would because he does have a neck injury, and obviously you want to protect your players. And it's something that he's been battling since before the season because I think it happened during a preseason, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember which game, but um something to monitor he hasn't played since buffalo i mean he's missed i think what three games already um it seems like there was a misevaluation of the severity of this injury i feel like because well well, i think i think he uh he well he definitely was dealing with something and then he came out of the buffalo game and then i think he came back and practiced the next week because he's he's been at practices before, yeah. and and we've thought maybe okay maybe he's going to play this week. So there must be something 
that's just not responding. And look, neck injuries can be tricky. So who knows what it is? So um, is it Wyatt Ray season again in Nashville? Is that what no, the plan is? I mean, what no. is the plan to f- to fill the spot besides just Bud Dupree and Rashad Weaver? I mean, is, you got to get another guy in there. It's Bud Dupree, Rashad Weaver. It's also Danico Danico Autry's playing outside a ton. So it's really, it's going to be Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, Rashad Weaver, mostly. And then I think you'll probably see some Mario Edwards, which we've already been seeing. I think you'll see some Sam O, um, which we've already been seeing. So um, I, I think they're fine. As long as Bud Dupree is healthy and can play a full complement of snaps and stay healthy, I think they're fine at outside linebacker, even without Ola. Like Ola would have, Ola's more important if they don't have Bud to me because he just brings a little bit more juice to that group. But with Bud, Ola's not going to play a ton anyway. So, you know, hopefully that means good things for Bud Dupree. That, that's really my biggest concern. There. Well, you would, you would think so if they're putting him on IR, then they get their uh, 14th safety in there. That the, that means good things about Bud, even though it's a hip injury and you never know, you don't know what kind of hip injury it is. And you don't know if it could be easily re-aggravated in a position that he plays that requires, you know, him to be flexible, but him to also tackle, get tackled, hit on the ground, piled up on. It's I feel like Bud Dupree and we and we we both agree that a 70% Bud Dupree is better than 100 percent of whatever you're gonna get out there in free agency. But you know, you got, and I know it's a big if, he's gotta stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy th- during at least the four game stretch that Oladini is about to miss. That's going to be really good for this defense in all facets of the game from pass rush, from run defense, all the way to coverage and everything else in between. Absolutely. Yeah. They desperately need him. Desperately. All right. right. Look, I can't believe that we're going to have to talk about this, but my God, were people mad that Josh Gordon got (laughs) cut? He played in two games, 21% of snaps, and did absolutely fucking nothing. He didn't get open. He barely was able to run block. He obviously, according to Mike Vrabel's own words, did nothing in practice to impress them, which would warrant him to be called up for another game. They chose Des Fitzpatrick over Josh Gordon in the last game because the writing was on the wall. We told you when he got signed not to expect anything. The upside was wide receiver five. The upside was not wide receiver two, 2013 Josh Gordon. I need you guys to understand something. That was nine fucking years ago. Almost a decade ago since Josh Gordon has been relevant and good. What the fuck world do y'all live in are you guys in tennessee titans land fandom that are are you guys just living in the past it's almost like it's almost like you guys think that they should go out and sign darrell revis because he was good back in 2009 give me a fucking break with with this look you know me i hate cody hollister they could do so much better than Cody Hollister, even in that spot, if they just fucking farted out into the wind and let Will Fuller smell it. Keelan Cole. These other fucking guys that actually have good NFL experience. But here's the thing. And I hate to say it. He's the better football player. He is. He's not the better athlete. Maybe. No. I don't know. 
because we, I mean, obviously we didn't see anything from Josh Gordon that stated that he was still a spectacular elite athlete. But and have you, have you athlete. seen, have you seen Cody Hollister with his little midriff uh, shirts out there at, at practice? I mean, the guy's pretty cut up. I, yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing, Mike, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and then I'll let you talk about Josh Gordon. None of these practice. The only reason Josh Gordon, or the only reason Cody Hollister is on the act to fifty three is because Racy McMath got injured. Now it's not a one for one replacement, but that's why he's on the team. That's why he made it, not on the practice squad, but on the initial fifty three because they put Racy McMath on IR. If not for that, he would be on the practice squad. Your practice squad is filled with losers, guys. The none of them are good. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. They come in and fill in on one or two week basis because they're probably can only play at an NFL level for one or two weeks. And by the way, that's true of every NFL team. Yes, this squad. is every NFL team's practice squad. They all suck. Now, here's the thing. They're all the same level of suck almost in different areas. But what Cody Hollister does better than them, and it's not even at a high level, is that he run blocks. And that's why he's wide receiver five. And he plays special teams. And he plays and, special and teams. I that's all he is, is wide receiver five at this point. Like, just settle it until Racy McMath comes back and Traylon Burks is healthy and you have the full complement of your initial five wide receivers. Cody Hollister's on this fucking team unless they do something crazy and, and trade for someone that well, it's probably not going to happen. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, and I mean, Hollister, like, look, he's not good. He's not a good player. He's slow he doesn't separate he doesn't you know but whatever but here's what he does do like you said he run blocks he's really good at that uh he's good on special teams he 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 knows how to run the playbook so he's going to be in the right place at the right time now he might take forever getting there and he might be uh you know not open when he gets there but he'll be in the right place uh they can trust him he, I mean, frankly, he has pretty good hands. I mean, it, you know, we haven't seen him be thrown a ton of balls, thank God. Um, but when he does get thrown the ball, he catches it. So he does all the basic, basic, basic shit. Well. And he's not technically in there to run routes, right? I mean, the place right. that he's majorly yeah. is in is for run blocking purposes. And I know right. people think that's frivolous and stuff, and it is if you were on almost any other NFL team except for you're a fan of the Tennessee Titans, and that's important. Well, like you just have to deal with this fact at some point. Here's yeah. the thing. People get so mad about wide receiver run blocking, almost to the point where like if a guy is a good run blocker, they view it as a negative. And it's crazy to me because if you look at like the long Derrick Henry runs that they've had over the last several years here, almost always it involves a wide receiver blocking somebody. It involves Nick Westbrook Akine blocking uh, you know, a Bills linebacker or Bills safety on that that 70 yarder that uh was on Monday night last year. It involves some wide receiver blocking downfield and doing a good job. So it does matter that wide receivers can block well. It definitely matters. Um because and it specifically just matters for this team, right? It, I mean, well, like it matters more. Point, yeah, it matters it, more for this team than most, but it, it matters for all teams. I mean, if your receivers can't block, you you're not gonna be able to run the football very well. I guarantee you, because you cannot run anywhere but between the tackles at that point. Because as soon as you start trying to run anything outside the tackles, you are relying on wide receivers to get blocks done. And if your guys can't do it, you can't run out there, and then the defense can, you know, narrow and, and defend the interior a little bit more. So everything it does matter. All 11 guys on the field being able to block, well, I'll say 10, uh, you know, outside of the quarterback, 
blocking freaking matters. It, there's a reason why blocking and tackling are like considered the the fundamentals of football. That that is part of it. Um, so yeah, absolutely, blocking matters. It doesn't matter over all else. It doesn't matter over you know being if if there was a guy that was like Stephon Diggs and he couldn't block a lick. Obviously, you you put him out there. You don't give a shit at that point. He's good enough to to make up for it. But if you're Josh Gordon at 32 years old, and you know you had you play you were active in 12 games for the Kansas City Chiefs last year, and you had five catches for 32 yards. He's just a guy. He's just well, a guy and with people a are like, well, he only got six targets. Well, he only got six targets for a fucking reason. Yes. Patrick Mahomes will throw to open. everybody. Yes. But Patrick he would Mahomes not throw to here. Josh Gordon. He's Yeah, he's out here throwing in to anybody and everybody. He's not throwing it to Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon is just a guy. He's yes. just a guy at this point. Like, he might as well you might as well just go bring back Justin Hunter. I mean, like, who he is. Josh Gordon is throwing to guys like Danny Gray. Okay. Have you ever heard of Danny Gray? I mean, I know we have because we we follow the draft, but the general fan has no fucking clue who Danny Gray is. Like, he will throw to anybody. And and the same with all these other quarterbacks. But even so, this whole thing, to wrap it all with a bow, as I'm trying to figure out why the sun outside my window is is messing with my camera lighting out here. It just, I don't get why these people are just continuing to cling to old shells of losers. You saw it happen with Golden Tate, and we kept telling people that Golden Tate, elite, listen, the Titans got more out of Josh Gordon than they ever got out of Golden Tate. That should tell you how bad fucking Golden Tate is. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's how bad Golden Tate was. And we told you. And, and look, people are mad. Well, who the fuck is CJ Board? It doesn't matter who CJ Board is because if he's playing games, and 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 at this point in the stage, that means that the Titans didn't have gotten worse with Traylon Burks, have gotten worse with Racy McMath, have decided that they even though those two things are happening, they aren't going to reach into the free agency pool. You had bigger problems than whether CJ Board is better than Josh Gordon. And guess what? He probably is better than Josh Gordon. Uh, he very well may be. I mean, it, it's it, yeah. These guys don't matter. I mean, it, it is it is legitimately. It just you're talking. You're you're arguing. You're wasting precious moments of your life arguing about guys that are just never ever gonna matter. Right, and, and guys that play like life. nine snaps. Yeah, I mean, like it's nine snaps a game. If CJ Board's even hey, activated at this point, C- like give me a break. CJ Board had more yards than Josh Gordon in six games active than Gordon did in 12 games active last year. So, hey, upgrade. Upgrade. Upgrade, upgrade for a meaningless position that will probably will never amount to anything, just like Josh Gordon didn't amount to anything, just like Golden Tate didn't amount to anything, just like Des Fitzpatrick hasn't amounted to anything. Guess what? CJ Board's probably not going to amount to anything. Like, just get over the fact that, unfortunately, on this team, your practice squad-wide receivers suck. And guess what? If you went over the Buffalo Bills, their practice squad wide receivers suck unless they play Caleb Farley. And guess what? <laughs> if you go over to the Chiefs practice squad, I guess what? Their wide receivers suck too. Like, they all suck on the practice squad. But hey, they at least they make, you know, 140K. Like, hey, you can make 140K for running wind sprints and wearing that goofy fucking concussion helmet. Who am I to, you know, yeah, practice three times a week? Good for yeah. you. Good for you. I mean, uh, really. Uh, 
Okay, so we talked about Lola. We talked about Josh Gordon. Let's talk about Dennis Daly, who no. basically <laughs> he still has a job, and he probably still will have a job. But it seems like the, the Mike Vrabel and the team came back and said, okay, he may be a nice guy, but this guy sucks. And we're in deep doo-doo. And it, but it doesn't look like, or sound like, I guess I should say, that Dylan Radins is in that plan because he's a guard and he played guard according to Mike Vrabel, right? Is that is that what you took from his answer? Because that wasn't necessarily what I took from his well, answer there. Because well, he, he yeah. said Radins has played guard for us because that's where we've needed him, right? Gotcha. That, that's what he said. He said, well, Nate was out, so he, Dylan played guard for us. But then he said something about him being like a utility player or something like that. So I, I didn't take it as definitely no on Raidens. I gotcha. took it as he played guard last game. That's all I'm really going to say about that. You know, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> he, he, he just doesn't want to say shit, but. Yeah, I liked is, everything uh, about Racy potential. Yeah, potentially he'll be back. Oh, Bud Dupree, oh, he'll potentially be back. Like, just fucking tell us. Quit yeah. playing these mind games. I don't think anybody over at the Colts organization is game planning for whether ace me math maybe they are game planning for bud dupree but it doesn't fucking matter because the offensive line sucks for the Colts. so i digress mike what are they going to do with this offensive line i know this is like a the same topic and i feel like we're talking in circles do you do do we have anything new to really add to this discussion because at this point dennis daly sucks we both agree dylan radins is maybe better maybe not and then the raven clark we don't know what the Raven Clark is. Quote the Raven, possibly nevermore. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't have a ton to add to it besides the fact that I think they should do something and that if they are going to do something, now is the time to do it. Yeah. Because I, I think it's – look, we've seen R Dylan Raidens in two games now, right? We saw him against the Niners at left tackle, and we saw him against the uh, Commanders at right guard. He wasn't great in either of those games. He wasn't really particularly good in either of those games, but he was not worse than Dennis Daly has been in, you know, basically any of the last three games in either of those games. So to me, just put Raidens out there, do, do it, see what you got. If nothing else, you get an answer about what he is or isn't for next year. Um, so I, I think it's time to put Raidens in there. And if you don't want, if you hate Raidens that much, just try Clark. Clark's the same guy as Daly to me. But like at least he's a tackle from a measurable standpoint, whereas Daly I, I think is purely a guard. Um, so try it. I, I don't know. Like it's it can't be worse. It cannot be worse because literally Daly is the worst tackle in the NFL right now. So I try something. The only Do way it. it could be worse is not putting a guy out there. I mean, like yeah, that's yeah, literally just, the only way it could be worse is not having a left tackle at all. Starting a literal traffic cone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're talking about help, 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 help. The trade deadline's upon us, and you said something interesting today. Now, it is with a caveat. The Titans should not be buyers in the trade market unless it's a long-term fix. And I do agree. Obviously, DJ Moore could be that long-term fix, right? He has a palatable contract that you could take on initially this year because their salary cap is very low, right? Or the salary cap space is very low. I think it's roughly 2 to $3 million right now. So if you brought in DJ Moore, he's only going to cost you a million dollars and some change. So you have space for him this year, and then he's 16 mil, 16 mil the next two years. Now, the, the Panthers on Monday traded Robbie Anderson 
The Panthers are fielding phone calls and asking an outlandish, outlandish price for Christian McCaffrey. I don't think DJ Moore is going to get traded. I don't think they have an interest in trading DJ Moore because I don't think they want to do a complete rebuild. I think it's like DJ Moore, the recent draftees like J.C. Horn, and the uh, I can't remember which left tackle they ended up getting. And uh, Iki Iquano. Yeah, Iki Iquano. And then DJ Moore. Like I think it's like those guys that they're going to build around. So I think DJ Moore is a part of it. And DJ Moore is relatively inexpensive compared to the wide receiver free agent market. So why would you go pay someone else a ton of shit more money for a guy that you already got on the roster? And he's he's playing, he's getting a lot of their targets, just not turning anything because they have Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, these fucking losers at quarterback. So DJ Moore is obviously a very, very slim chance of happening based on comments coming out of Carolina. Now listen, owners and coaches, they're liars and all this shit. I just don't see how you can go the rest of the year with just Shai Smith and Terrace Mitchell, Marshall, Terrace Marshall, as your starting wide receivers with LaVisca Chenault and expect to keep people happy and have any progress, right? So at this point, I think DJ Moore is off the table. Is there... Is there anybody out there that jumps off the page, either at wide receiver, offensive tackle, or even in the cornerback room? Because this Elijah Molden thing is, seems like it's going to be an Adoree Jackson 2.0 cut from a couple of years ago. Is there anybody worth being buyers for? I don't know. I mean, like, I, nothing, nothing that I see out there right now. Like, I guess to me, the, what I think about is someone like, and I don't think it happened because it's in the division, but Laramie, Laramie Tunsil. Like, Laramie Tunsil's 28 years old. He's a really good left tackle. Um, if the Texans were to decide that, hey, we're in a long-term rebuild, we know that, we know he's expensive, um, we don't really think we need to be in. Uh, like, he doesn't sync up with what we're looking at for our future. And they decided to move him. I would be all over that because that fixes left tackle for – two to three years at least, you know, that gives you a reset at left tackle um, with, with a player that is played at a really high consistent level for many years now. So something like that I could get on board with, but th here's the thing I don't want them to do. I don't want them to flip another day three pick, even if it's a, you know, fifth or sixth rounder for some rental, like Robbie Anderson, like you know, this is the deal that everybody was mad that the Titans didn't do. Oh, you couldn't give up a sixth and a seventh for Robbie Anderson. Are the Titans one Robbie Anderson away from like a meaningfully different season? No, they are not. Like Robbie Anderson is, you know, if Robbie Anderson was that important, the Panthers would be a hell of a lot better than they are, right? I mean, I I, I just don't, I don't understand this idea that, well, this guy's going to come fix all our problems. You're still going to have left tackle issues. You may not be able to block long enough to throw the ball to Robbie Anderson more than 20 yards downfield. Um, you're still going to have secondary issues. You're still going to have depth issues at pass rush. Like all, all these issues are still going to exist with Robbie Anderson on the team. Like maybe he makes a player or two for you that helps you out. Sure. I get it. Like, but it doesn't materially change, materially change the ceiling of this team. And I just don't think they're in a position where they need to be flipping draft picks or spending any extra money chasing marginal improvements like for, for the rest of this year because this team, I think, will win the division. I, I think they're the best team in the division. I think they're going to win the division. 
And then I think they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And Robbie Anderson doesn't change that one bit. And if a guy is not changing that one bit and he's not probably going to be around here next year, it's a waste of time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting resources. I don't care if you think J-Rob is the worst drafter of all time and he's never going to hit on any draft pick again. So what the hell, trade them all. You still would rather have the picks. Like to me, I, it's, I just don't. I don't see the point in rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic if if that's the direction that they're going to go. Yeah, when you're still going to hit the iceberg, right? Right, yeah. You know, know, that's the thing that people forget about this NFL trade deadline is, first off, hardly anything happens at the NFL trade deadline, right? I mean, very, very few trades. There'll be some massive rumors and then nothing will happen. But the other thing is that most of the players that are available – are on the last year of their contract and have fallen out of favor with their team, like Cleveland Farrell from the Raiders, like Isaiah Wynn, who hasn't really fallen off out of favor from his team, but he was linked to rumors, but he's on the last year of your deal. So are you trading picks with the idea that you're going to extend one of these guys? You know, you got Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne have both been tossed out there. Those guys don't move the needle for you. You know, Sidney Jones, who's a cornerback, uh, think of uh, Bryce Hall. Not Bryce yeah. Hall. Bryce Hall uh, over at uh, the New York Jets. You know, he's available. But, you know, again, what are you trading to give up him when you already got three cornerbacks, right? Because you got Elijah Molden. You got – you're trading for a fourth cornerback, essentially, in the long term of things. It doesn't make sense. So, they're, you're right. Maybe Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn could be possibilities, and you're okay with trying to, you know, extend one of those guys. but essentially there's just no one out there unless you're going to get a guy like Terrace Marshall. You know, we brought him up a little bit earlier. That's not going to do anything for you, right? I mean, there's nothing there's nothing out there that does anything for you. You know, there's Chase Claypool, possibly. I mean, you know? I wouldn't terribly mind Terrace Marshall from the fact of, like, he's still under a rookie contract for a couple years. So you can take him and see if you can get anything out of him, And then, you know, if not, you know, you, you, you can trade, I guess that seventh round conditional pick that you traded to the Raiders for that Tyree Gillespie kid. Yeah. I mean, like something like that, I wouldn't be totally opposed to, but I think the idea that the Titans are going to make some trade and it's going to fix all their problems. And then they're going to go on this huge run is unrealistic. The Titans, if they're going to go on a run, it's going to be because of the guys that are currently in the building, and they're going to figure this thing out and play better football over the back half of the season. Unless they sell or unless they sign Odell, Mike. Well, I mean, yeah, I I did see them listed as – Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy Fowler listed them as a wild card team there. I I cannot – like, as much as Odell has bitched about quarterbacks, you know, look, Tannehill's a pretty good quarterback, and, and maybe hey, his reputation is okay, but uh, I can't see Odell being like, of all the quarterbacks in the league, I'm going to go play with Tannehill. Like, that's just not, I don't I see will that say now. this about this Odell thing, and this is not something playing, but when Robert Woods tore his ACL, Odell was there for him, and then when Odell tore his ACL, in the Super Bowl, Robert Woods, they formed a pretty big bond. And if Robert Woods really chose and wanted to go to the Titans, there's a good chance he could talk Odell Beckham into coming. Just saying, throwing it out there. It's a long shot. Just throwing it out there. It's it's definitely a long shot. Um, I mean, 
honestly, like if they if they could convince Odell to come here, I'd I'd be okay with it. As long as the contract was not just for this year. Like if it's right. a one year deal, I, I don't think I'm as interested as I would be if it's a two year deal where you get some opportunity for him to be part of the group next year that hopefully will be a better version of this team. Let me let me ask you something. I'll throw this out there because everybody always talks about the Titans as buyers. Buyers, 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 buyers. Are there players where the Titans should be sellers on that do you think that there is a market that they could sell where they not really hurt the team for making the playoffs? Because we know they're not going to win the Super Bowl anyway, but they help regain some draft picks that maybe they lost in stupid trades like for Dennis Daly and stuff. Yeah, I mean... I guess it would be pretty hard for me to see a specific deal because there's just nowhere where you feel like their depth is so good that it's like some other team would come calling for for somebody. Um, Let me say yeah, this: I, if people are kicking around the idea that Don or that Christian McCaffrey is worth a couple of draft picks, like the, we know the Panthers want multiple first round draft picks, and we know they're probably not going to get it. If someone comes knocking on your door and offers one first for Derrick Henry, what do you do? Mm, I I don't I I don't know. I guess it depends on which team and how high that first might be. Because um, if it's a top ten pick, I'd probably say, "All right, Derek, thanks. It's a good <laughs> run." Um, oh, this this franchise, this this fan base would just fucking explode all over. Oh, it would be it would be unbelievable. But you should um, do it. You it, you should do it if you can get that that deal though. Uh, who's who's one of the worst teams in the league right now? Um, shit. Uh, it, well, I, I guess you wouldn't use the Raiders because they have Josh Jacobs. But you know, if you're if you're a what's a bad NFC team? Uh, Can't believe, oh, the Panthers. Well, that doesn't really matter. The Cardinals, yeah. Um, let me let me say this: Would you rather? Nah. If if they sent Cam Akers and a first for Derrick Henry, would you take it? The Rams? Maybe. Okay, Commanders, if they said, hey, Brian Robinson, we don't know what he's going to do. We got to make some headway in this division before it's it's curtain call. Oh, yeah. Commanders. I'm sending them to the Commanders for sure because yeah. they, they're going to be picking in the top 10. Yeah. What about the – well, the, I guess the Saints wouldn't make sense. The Bears don't make sense. What about – no, the Lions don't make sense. A lot of people – a lot of teams have good young running backs, you know, when you really yeah. get down to it. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this trade actually happening. No. I mean – I think at the end of the day, you know, the spots like, and this, this, this one may <laughs> make some people angry, but if someone wanted to rent Austin Hooper for the rest of the year, I'd be willing to send Austin Hooper away for a pick. I mean, he's not doing anything for you right now anyways. And, you know, I, I think the more snaps you can give Chig, the better. So, you know, if, if that means you go with Chig and, and Swaim and Raider for the rest of the way, is that a huge step down from what you've got right now because Hooper hasn't been good. Um, so I, I, that would be the one maybe that I could see like, Hey, if you could flip him for something and you know, I, I wouldn't mind it. Um, I don't think they should trade Caleb Farley. Like it, I think I mentioned this somewhere else, but it'd be selling at an all time low price wise. It just doesn't, this would, it would be bad business to sell Caleb Farley right now and not, you know, I mean, it, you're not saving any real money or, you know, you don't have a better corner that's chomping at the bit to get a roster spot. You know, you'd be bringing in a guy like uh, 
like an, another Terrence Mitchell, whatever Terrence Mitchell is currently sitting on the streets waiting for a phone call, you'd be bringing in another of him. So um, what would happen to this fan base and maybe to your sanity and maybe to your own fandom if the Tennessee Titans traded away Jeffrey Simmons at the trade deadline for oh, a buku of picks? Oh, for how much? A buku. How, how much is a buku for you? It would have to be two first plus plus something else probably for you um, to feel okay with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I still probably wouldn't feel okay with it just because Simmons is just such an unbelievable player, and and you know you've got him here, and you know I, trying well, to find the next Jeffrey Simmons is you got you got to think though possible. you know teams are calling right you know teams are calling about Jeffrey Simmons because probably. you got to think. He's got the fifth-year option. They haven't given him the extension yet, so you could be the team that negotiates the extension. You got to think teams are calling. I'm not saying that he's listening or fielding the calls or making calls himself. I'm just saying you got to think there are some teams out there calling about Jeffrey Simmons' availability. If the Titans – let's say the Titans lose the next two games somehow. Wait. Yeah, Houston is before the trade deadline. So. Let's say they lose the next two games and they're three and four and the Colts are somehow streaking away with their vision. And someone called about Danico Autry. Would you yeah. trade Autry? Yeah, I, I think I think they consi- seriously consider it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's the those are the kind of players, to get back to our original point, those are the kinds of players, the guys that are on their are going in their last deal or have their last year on their contract. Those are the guys that people want to trade for and they want to trade for good players. They don't want to trade for your shitty players. No. Um, speaking of shitty players, the Jaguars faced the Colts over the weekend. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is back to being the world's shittiest quarterback and the most overhyped, overrated. Does not matter who Doug Peterson is. He is still the Trevor Lawrence from the Urban Meyer era. He is still bad Trevor Lawrence. And it makes me so happy because I was a little worried there for a second that he was going to start being good. Not because I didn't think they couldn't beat the Jaguars. I still thought they could beat the Jaguars even with the good Trevor Lawrence. It's just I just don't like Trevor Lawrence for some reason. I, uh, it's just I guess it's still Alabama bias creeping in. But saying. I never thought the year leading into the draft that Trevor Lawrence was as good as what people hyped him up to be. And I, I'm on record with saying that. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. I, I think in in look. I don't know how this happened because I I only was able to watch this game on red zone because, you know, for whatever reason, the networks never put on other AFC South games in our uh, uh, channel selections here locally, despite the fact that either they all suck. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, it's fair. Um, But it kind of drives me crazy because I I did want to watch that game all the way through and uh, I was only able able to catch on red zone. But I don't know. How did he complete 90% of his passes and only end up with 165 yards? Like, how did that happen? I I don't even know. Um, Yeah, it was a weird game. The Colts did seem to kind of find themselves offensively a little bit in that one. Although, Jag's going to Jag, man. It, it, It is so funny. The team is 0-3 since those Jaguars fans got all uh, uppity and, and came at me on Twitter and uh, you know demanded that I uh, old takes expose myself over saying Trevor Lawrence, we shouldn't be putting him in an elite tier of quarterback uh, based off of uh, his first like 18 starts as an NFL player. But um, mighty quiet that they've gotten since then uh, yeah. as they've fallen back to two and four. And since are, they started uh, talking shit, they went one and three after, you know, starting off uh, 
you know, with the two game win streak, like fucking uh, yeah, they're, no, they're, they're Owen, Owen to or Owen three since they, uh, they won those back-to-back games yeah. when they beat the chargers with like nobody left on the chargers. And they were like, Oh yeah, look at us. We're the Jaguars. We're back. Look, Trevor Lawrence is our uh, MVP. The, the Colts are still having to sling it. Obviously Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines were out. Um, so obviously they were going to have to rely on Matt Ryan to, Basically, really, they're relying on Michael Pittman to make some spectacular catches, which he has done a good job of making some catches and adjusting to some poorly thrown balls. Matt Ryan threw fifty-eight passes yeah. in that game. <laughs> it was uh, it was fucking re- fucking ridiculous that that he even had to throw fifty-eight passes. But Tennessee Titans come to town; they've already played them once, so they know the generating pressure. Specifically, Mike Vrabel said on Monday's presser. That any quarterback looks good and does well when they're not being pressured. And he was specifically talking about Matt Ryan in this Jaguars game. And any quarterback looks a little bit less good when they're getting pressure forced on them. So at this point, they're going to probably go in with the same game plan of just pressuring the shit out of Matt Ryan and force him into mistakes. Where do you fall on your confidence level heading into this game? It's a home game. They're coming off a bye. Why the Colts have yet to come off a bye or have their bye. So they're looking right now to to rebound and want to right the ship. The Colts desperately need a win. Where are you at on the confidence level for this game? I mean, relatively high. Like I think the Titans are... I mean, the Titans are an imperfect team. They have issues, but they're better than the Colts to me. To me, the Colts have all the same issues that the Titans have, except worse, because their quarterback is worse. Um, and uh, they they honestly, their offensive line is still probably worse. Like, I know the offensive line played better in this game uh, than he uh, than they have the, the last few, but I don't think it's fixed, and, and I think the Titans will expose that in Nashville um, this week. And... and I do feel like coming off a bye as banged up as this team was, getting some guys back, like hopefully Dupree, hopefully, uh, you know, Amani Hooker, um, Zach Cunningham, maybe, you know, some of, the, some of these guys, hopefully the Calvary is coming a little bit this week for, uh, for some of these spots where they've been missing um, players in the last few weeks. But I, it's, I think it's a better football team. I think it's playing at home, coming off the bye. It's, it's an opportunity that you have to take advantage of. Like if they lose this game, I, you know, I, I honestly feel like the winner of this game wins the division. I, I really do. Um, Cause I, I just don't see the Colts coming back from starting one, three and one, I think it would be in the division yeah. um, over the first seven weeks. So I, I don't see them coming back from that. They're going to drop games as the year goes on. It's a big chance for the Titans to go ahead and put themselves. Almost, in a good yeah. Spot. I mean, almost, you almost clinched the division with this win, right? I mean, you got one three, then you would have one one four one Colts. No, one three one Colts, right? In yeah. the division. They only have one more game against the Texans, which by the way, weird scheduling that they already have now by week seven have played five division games out of the the, the seven games they've played. That's insane. That has to be some weird record or whatever. It is, and they won't play another division game until week 18. So right. they're going to go like 10 weeks without playing a division game, which is So great. it's going to be really hard to to avoid all this. You know, I was talking about this today. Obviously, this is a, a must, a must, not a must 
have win, but I think it's a must-needed win for multiple levels. But I talked about this with Braden on a football show on Monday. And when you look at the Titans' schedule and you look how bad offensive play is around the league right now, I mean, quarter good quarterbacks are playing terribly everywhere. Offensive line play is horrible everywhere. So when I look around and I think, okay, I start looking at the schedule and you're like, okay, well, let's say they lose to the Cowboys, they lose to the Eagles. So they go 0-4 in the NFC East, right? And they're probably going to lose to the Chiefs. So there's three losses, but the rest of them seem like wins. You're staring at 12 and five yet again <laughs> for this Tennessee Titans, which is a real a, a chance for this team. And I can't believe that I'm saying this after basically saying that I don't, and I don't think it means anything for their Super Bowl aspirations. I just think it's wild that this team could still end up being 12 and five as long as they handle business against their own division. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a real chance. They've got to win these next two, right? Like this is kind of you've got to you've got to beat Indy, you've got to beat Houston, and then you kind of see what happens. But yeah, I don't think the middle part of the schedule probably isn't as daunting as what it looked like preseason because the Broncos are not nearly what what anyone thought they'd be. The Bengals aren't what people thought they'd be. The Packers aren't what people thought they'd be. So I mean, it's just not the Chargers aren't what people thought they'd be. So there are some winnable games down the stretch. The Chargers, um, for the record, are never what people think they are. No, they really aren't. They they are they are the Colts of the AFC West. Let, let's be honest. They they get overhyped every single year. Everybody is buying into them. Oh, look, they've got all these fancy weapons. They've got Justin Herbert. It's going to be amazing. They're going to be unstoppable. And then you know, just fart noise uh, right out of the gates uh, as they get a million people injured. But um, it's. Uh, it's an opportunity. Like I again, I, I think this team's gonna win the division. I think they're the best team in the division. And um, look, it still wouldn't surprise me. And I know we've been kind of doom and gloom about like this team probably being capped as a, a first round playoff exit, which I still think is probably the case. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna say a hundred percent, but it I think it's likely that's the the ceiling for this team. But this team certainly could get better down the stretch. I mean, I, I would expect them to. They almost always do. Um, and teams evolve as the season goes on. I mean, there was one point last year, and you'll, you'll remember this, where the Patriots, everyone was going, holy crap, the Patriots are unstoppable. I mean, they were just crushing people, and, and they ran off like a bunch of wins in a row. They had that game where it was Colts, Patriots, and everyone was like, is this an AFC championship preview? And then the the Colts end up missing the playoffs, and the the Patriots get absolutely dusted by the Bills uh, in their one playoff game. So teams change over the course of the year, and, and like I know the Eagles are super hot right now, and all that. I'm not sure the Eagles will be the hot team in December either. So you got to kind of let these things play out as, as the season goes. And I know everyone wants to make snap judgments every single week about you know well this team's great this team sucks whatever um but it really does it's a slow burn over the course of the season and good teams get better and bad teams get worse as it goes um because because i think and that's where i think my confidence keeps coming back to for the titans is i think mike rabel is a really good football coach and i think really good football coaches generally figure it out um and so i i just expect this team to figure it out and win the division and they'll probably yeah Win 11. I, I think they'll win 11 games, but 
That's still a uh, good season. That's still good. Uh, this this weekend, obviously, we you want to see Amani Hooker back, but Dupree back. But if you only had to choose one, the most important piece is to bring back who? Uh, I'm gonna say Bud. I, you just got to be able to. You've got to be able to pressure Matt Ryan. I, that is that. That's what it comes down to. I mean, Rabel talked about it in the press conference. So, um, Bud Bud gives you more weapons to do that, especially since the Colts tackles are terrible. Is the best way to attack this Colts defense still on the ground, riding the back of Derrick Henry and getting the ball with him in as many creative ways as possible? I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think the Colts tend to back down when you get when they when the Titans bully them up front, which they've been able to do it just time and time again for whatever reason. It's it's it just works with them. So I think you keep going to the well. Well, speaking of wells, well. That will do it for us here at Football and Other F-Words. You can follow me on Twitter at F-Words Pod. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. You can find both of our works at broadwaysportsme.com and paulkarski.com. I'm not going to ask you what you're writing about this week unless you know what you're writing about this week. I do yeah, not. He does no, not no. know what he's writing about this week. So, But head over to paulkarski.com and we'll all find out on Wednesday what Mike has decided to write about. Right. And it will be great, like it always is. Podcarski.com, BroadwaySportsMe.com. Then go to 440 Sports and subscribe to their YouTube channel and get all the hockey news, all the soccer news. And on Friday, Lamestream Media, which is a 440 Sports podcast with Steve Cavendish and Braden Gall, they are going to have on Nate Rowell to talk about the stadium stuff. So that is going to be can't miss Friday. Lamestream Media. Put turn on your notifications. Subscribe to that podcast. You're definitely gonna want to listen to that. And of course, this, if you want to listen to an Alabama fan not whine and complain about the loss on Saturday, go to the 440 Sports podcast page, YouTube page, and look at Monday's episode, and you will hear some actual objective, good analysis from me. Not backing down, saying that UT earned that win. And you're not going to hear any other Alabama fans say that because they are they are fucking just shitting themselves right now and embarrassing themselves, trying to come up with ways. I saw someone has gone through every play and wrote down every missed call, every oh, you know, like a fucking lunatic. Listen, lunatic. So there were there were some bad calls in that game, zero yeah. doubt about it. But this is the most undisciplined Nick Saban team I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and that was it was true against Texas too. I mean, they played the same way against Texas. They yep. just made their kicks instead of uh, missing them. So none of the um, penalties cost a team the, the win. UT won that game. They got to play the style of football that they wanted to play. Alabama yeah. let them and couldn't stop it. They earned that win. So you're going to get a lot more analysis like that from me and Braden if you go over to a football show. Other than that. My name is Zach Lyons. He's Mike Herndon. This has been Football and Other Efforts, and you have just been out. A Broadway Sports Media Production.